Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. Some of you know parts of my story. Some of you don't know any of my story. I'd love to get coffee with you. But whenever I was 15 years old, I took my first step with Jesus. The church that my family attended, and actually my parents still attend, had very specific verbiage around that. And so one Sunday, I came to church, and I felt really stirred by the Holy Spirit, Um, and so I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. That's what they said was happening there. And so I thought, yes, I want to do that. And so everyone's eyes were closed and head bowed. That's another thing that they said often. I raised my hand. And no one knew but the pastor and me. But I said yes as much as I could, 15-year-old girl trying to figure out life. Um, But in that moment, I didn't know a lot about what that meant or how to do that. And so as I reflected back, I thought there are about five things that in that moment when I said yes to Jesus that I knew. The first thing was that I knew that this had to be my own decision that I couldn't rely on the faith of my parents, that I had to make a personal decision in myself to say yes to Jesus, and that that was the way in. The second thing I knew is that I needed to have a personal relationship with Jesus, and I did not know what that meant, but I knew I needed one. The third thing is that I knew I needed to be baptized following my decision to say yes. I knew that I was supposed to act like Jesus, that after this, after saying yes to Jesus, I was supposed to be more like him. And I knew also that my fate was sealed, that when I died, that I would be with God in heaven. So those are the five things that I think I knew from the age of 15. And all of those things are right and true. But the fact of the matter is that my life, my everyday life, really didn't change that much. Leading up to that day, you know, the years before 15, I was self-conscious, self-loathing, scared, angry, mean, selfish. And the days after that, I was self-conscious, self-loathing, mean, angry, selfish. And then I added to the pile guilty because I knew I was supposed to be different, but I didn't know how. And so I tried my best to fix myself to be better, to be less angry, to be less selfish, but I couldn't do it. And so in the end, what I sort of settled on was that I'm going to hide myself because everyone else seems to be getting it and I can't. So I'll just back away from relationships so people can't see the real me because I knew the real me was not what it was supposed to be. And I will try my best, white knuckle it, to do and be better And then I'll just wait to die so that I can be with God in heaven. And I think many of us may have had a similar experience of praying a prayer and saying yes, and then just really not being sure, being sort of confused about how do I get this good life that it seems to talk about in the Bible? Whenever we read the pages of scripture, especially the life of Jesus, it seems like something is supposed to be different that we're supposed to have a good life here, not just when we go to heaven. 
And I wonder if that was the way that you were offered to follow Jesus, that we say yes, we pray a prayer, and we have a personal relationship with Jesus, and we just like try better, try harder, and then we die, and then it gets better after that. And I wonder, is that the gospel? I think that's the gospel I believed for a lot of years. To say yes, to try to be different, and then to wait to die. We've been talking the last few weeks about how so often we have truncated the gospel, that we have just taken this little part of what it is and made it the whole. The gospel that Jesus came to bring is that when Jesus came, he brought the kingdom of God here and now. And what that means is that everything can be set right, that Jesus began the mission of setting everything to work as it was intended to work. Yes, that means that we have life with God now, that Jesus paid for our sin and we can live into this missional life with Jesus, but that's not all that it means. It means that we can see that good life that God talks about, that scripture talks about here and now. Jesus did come to make us right with God, and to make all things work according to their, their intended purpose. That's the gospel. And that's what we're invited into when we say yes to Jesus. But when I was 15, I did not know that. Derek started this series talking about our mission statement. And this isn't just something that we say. We really believe that this group of people is meant to transform the places we inhabit by the power of the gospel, that everywhere we go would be different because we will have been there, that we are being transformed by the love and power of God, and because of that, we go out and bring that love and power of God every single place that we go, that we would transform the, our schools, our workplaces, the city, because we are being transformed. And the thing that I want to underline here is that we cannot do this alone. That in order to be kingdom world transformers, we need other members of the body with us. Today I'm calling this message, the kingdom comes through an intentional community. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we invite you here. And I thank you that every single yes that we give you with as much as we understand that you respond to, that you are excited about. And God, that you always have more for us than we could have ever imagined. And so God, I pray that um, if we walked in here today not thinking that we'd get much, Lord, that we would meet with you, that you would get in past all the things that we brought that get in the way. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16. There are Bibles alongside. If you'd like one, you can turn on your phone. It will be up here, I believe. Yep. And it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. 
As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And so I want to give you a little bit of backstory here. If you don't know, the book of Acts is all about what happened with the disciples after Jesus left. And the one thing that we hear again and again and again is that the disciples were all together, that they met together, that they were in the practice of being together. And so very early on, the church knew that they needed each other, that it was important to be in relationship with each other. And I've said this before, and I'll probably never stop saying it, that we serve a relational God. We serve a triune God, God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Three people in relationship together is the God that we serve. So God in his nature is relational. We are made in the image of God, therefore we are relational. We're meant to be in community with other people, and life really just doesn't work that great when we're not. Maybe it's easier. Maybe people don't bump up against you or make you mad. But it doesn't really work well. We can't thrive if we're not in community with other people. And we can see this sort of worked out in a number of ways, right? When we meet someone new, if we're willing to engage in conversation with them, very quickly we're trying to make a connection. So if I meet someone from Altoona between the ages of 35 and 45, I will say, did you go to Altoona High? What year did you graduate? I'm trying to make a connect. Do we know the same people? Do we know the same teachers? Did we have some of the same experiences? There are other ways we do that. If you're a parent or if you know parents, they're always saying, do you have kids? How old are they? And so we're trying to, is your kid nine? My kid's nine. I'm having this problem. Can we talk about this? We're trying to make connection with people very quickly. People who have a similar skin tone to mine always assume that I'm from where they're from. So they'll come and say, are you from this? Sometimes Spanish-speaking people will come up to me and just start speaking in Spanish. And I'm always like, I'm sorry. I wish I could understand what you're saying. And so very quickly, we're trying to make these connections because we are relational beings. But some communities you can be a part of passively, right? If we graduated Altoona High the same year, we're a part of a something of a community. We have some of the same experiences. We know some of the same people. But I didn't have to do anything, really, to be a part of that community, right? If we were born in the same place or we have kids the same age, we're a part of a community, but I didn't have to intentionally do anything to be a part of that community. I just happened to be a part of it. And so some communities we can be a part of in that way, but gospel community, community around the kingdom of God is different. It requires intentionality. We can't be a part of community in the kingdom passively. I want you to look again at Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And it says, The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more people were added to their number. I don't know if you hear how weird that is. So it basically says all the believers were meeting together and no one else dared to join them, but more people joined them, 
right? The next sentence is, says the opposite of what the first one does. And I want to explain what I think is happening here. What I think is happening is that the believers are meeting together and the kingdom of God is coming. They are praying for the sick. They are casting out demons. They are worshiping together. And the presence of God, I think, is tangible there. People are being set free. And so there's this crowd of people around who see what's happening, but they don't dare go close to them because what they can see is that in order to be a part of this community, you have to be pressing in. You have to be moving in line with what they're doing. Everyone is praying together and people are, people are getting free, but they can see that it's, it actually is going to cost them something to be a part of it. Christians are being persecuted at this time. So there's a crowd of people who don't dare come close to where they are. They're just sort of watching because they can see something really great is happening, but I don't want to pay the cost. And I can see that if I'm with them, I'm going to have to. But then there's this other group of people who sees what's happening, who sees the freedom and joy of God coming, and they say, they are compelled by that, and they say, I have to be part of that. I have to jump in and be a member of, I want to do what they're doing, and I will pay the cost. So there's these two groups of people who are sort of bystanders, watching and choosing. I don't want to do that. But there are people who are so compelled by the power of God that they want to jump in and become Christians. True gospel community forces a choice. We can't just be passively in the kingdom of God. That's not something that's really happening. The gospel of Jesus demands that every part of us be surrendered to the lordship of Christ. And where our ideas are different from God's ideas, we lay down our ideas. There's not a bit that we get to decide for ourselves. We surrender every single part of us to the lordship of Christ. Let me illustrate this a little further. As I was preparing, I read a story of six Christians who in 2020 were arrested in Iran for being members of an evangelical house church. That was their only crime. They were Christians who were meeting together. And these six people were sentenced to a total of 42 years in prison because of that, because they were meeting together and they were not allowed to do that. And so they had to make a choice. They had to decide, am I really about this? Or would I rather watch? And this is not an isolated story. Things like this are happening all over the world. But generally, in America, it doesn't really cost us a lot to be Christians. And I think that has lulled us into a dangerous place of comfort. We can think that just by saying yes, or just by showing up on a Sunday morning, that we are living the kingdom life. That we are on mission with God, and that is simply not true. We cannot be in the kingdom passively. You cannot just be a bystander or a crowd member watching. And so what I want you to see here is that gospel community requires a choice. You don't get in just by hanging out or agreeing in your mind. It's not like graduating from the same high school 
being from the same city, having kids the same age. In order to be on mission with God and bring the kingdom to earth, to transform the spaces we inhabit, it requires us to make a conscious choice and really a series of choices to be part of a community that's doing that. Derek talked last week about emotional health and about how the environments we put ourselves in are shaping us, that we're always being formed, whether we're intentionally being formed or not. And so if we think about the fact that we are always being formed by our environment, if we want to be on mission with God and do what he's doing in his kingdom, we need to put ourselves in a place, in an environment with people around us who are doing that same thing, who are intentional about that, and people who can help to form us more into the kind of kingdom people that God would have us be. The second thing I want us to see is that when the community of God's people works properly, people are drawn in and the kingdom comes. Let's look at verses 15 through 16. And it says, As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. And so we see that this intentional community of Jesus followers are taking risks and pursuing God's kingdom, and that's attractive, right? Have you ever seen or even in yourself been miraculously healed of something? Maybe you had a pain and someone prayed for you, and it was gone. Or you saw that happen to someone else. That is attractive when God's kingdom power comes in that way. Or maybe you have walked out processes with God of healing. Maybe he's put his finger on some deep emotional healing in you, and you've been able to walk that out with him and experience some freedom. Or you've seen someone else do that. That is attractive. Or maybe when you come in, on Sunday morning and experience God's presence and worship that you can come in with whatever you brought in, but God's presence just sort of washes it away and sits heavy on you and brings you peace and joy that you didn't have when you came. That's attractive, right? So there's something, there's this innate attractivity, attractiveness about God's kingdom coming and God's power that has a force to it that it calls to us that we want more. And we see here in Acts that crowds of people who don't even follow Jesus see this, and maybe they're not stepping in, maybe they're not deciding to be members of the community, but they bring the broken parts of themselves and the broken members of their community to where this is happening, just to see if possibly something would touch those people, touch the broken parts and heal them. And that's hope, right? In the community around the believers, faith is growing, hope is growing, freedom is growing simply because the Christians are there gathered together doing what they were called to do on mission with God. Jerusalem is looking more and more like the kingdom of God And the first disciples are, in essence, transforming the space that they inhabit by the power of the gospel, right? They're engaging in kingdom mission with God, and because of that, other people have at least a glimmer of hope that their lives could be changed and different. And that's how it starts. 
just a little bit of hope. And that's enough for God to move. I began this morning talking about how when I said yes to Jesus when I was 15, I knew that I would go to heaven when I died. But not much about my everyday life really changed. I was stuck in patterns of trying to make my life and the world around me better by my own power. And then 11 years later, when I was 26, I learned that what it meant to say yes to Jesus was to make him king of my life and begin living on mission with him. That the power to change me and to change the world around me came solely from God. That I did not have to do that myself. Praise Jesus. Like that thought brings tears to my eyes now, that realization that I didn't have to do it. But that it required my intentional cooperation with God. That if I was going to be transformed by God, I had to say yes to the invitations of the Spirit. God is a gentleman and he doesn't force anything on us. He will bring his power if we invite his power. But we can also say no. And so I, I learned that I had to move in the direction of God's mission and say yes when he wanted to change or heal something, even if it was painful. The very first thing that God invited me to was intentional community. It wasn't enough for me just to be part of the believers. I had gone to church from the day I said yes up until that day. I had attended church regularly. I was part of things. I was serving. I was part of mission, but still, it wasn't changing me. And so God invited me to be in a community of women who I didn't know and didn't really honestly like at the time, but God invited me in. And that community was directional. They were on mission with God. They were pursuing their own healing and pursuing the healing of the world because that's what it means when God's kingdom comes. And those people grew me up. <laughs> I became a fully functioning Christian in the community of believers there. And that's the first invitation that God gave me. This kind of community was, again, directional in moving with God to grow his kingdom inside of me, meaning more freedom, more joy, more peace inside of me, and moving with God to set right things in the world, meaning more freedom, more joy, more peace, more justice, things being right in the world. This intentional discipleship and community has changed my life, and it continues to. This is how I live my life now. When I first moved to Altoona, I was like, where are my people? I need to find my people because I know that I can't do this on my own. And so when Derek and I were called to plant a church here, I knew that there were people in Altoona who had not experienced this kind of life-transforming kingdom mission community. And so I believe it was another invitation of the Lord to me to be a part of building that here. And a dream that God planted in my heart from that time is to help grow fully functioning disciples of Christ. Because I know that I was not that for a lot of years. That I thought I was doing the right things and I was doing my best, but really I was powerless. And so I would hear stories of people who were following Jesus but whose marriages were falling apart and who were addicted and I just knew that wasn't right 
that it wasn't right that we should be living lives like that. And so I felt this um, pull from God to come and be a part of what he's already doing here. Not that I would change anything. It's an invitation of the Lord to look around and see what he's doing and get behind that. And so because I like order and clarity, we have created a discipleship track. So as we think about transforming the spaces that we inhabit by the power of the gospel here, that could be really confusing, right? Maybe we don't really know how to do that. And so I've been really praying into, God, what does that look like? What are the steps that we can take that I could have taken at 15 to help me live more into your kingdom? And so I created a discipleship track, and there's a, there it is. There's a picture up there. Maybe you've seen this before. This is an il illustration of how I believe we can transform the kingdom or transform the places we inhabit by the power of the gospel. And so this whole series have, has been about our mission and the way that we do that is depicted here. And so I'm going to sort of walk you through it. Maybe this way is better. <clears throat> the first meeting place or the first place in to our community is often the Sunday gathering. And people get here from a number of different ways. Generally, it's personal invite. And probably many of you were invited by a friend who has come here, knows of us. Um, but parents' night out is another way that we're visible in the community. And sometimes people come from that. Maybe you tell coworkers. So anyway, there's lots of ways to get into the Sunday gathering, but that's the first connection point. And on Sunday mornings, if you've been here any number of times, we worship, we hear the gospel preached, and we are formed in a way here on Sunday mornings. And we think that's really powerful, that consistently that we set aside time to do that, to be with the gathered group of believers. The next steps go hand in hand. Last week, Derek talked about living a life of service and that the kingdom life is a life of service. And I really believe that serving not only is for the people around you, but it forms us to be the kind of people that can serve at a moment's notice, that can love people well. So he preached about how serving shapes us and that we're servants of Jesus, and so we can serve others with joy. And there's a number of service opportunities. If you walked in, you walked past the list of service opportunities. Many of you signed up last week, and so service teams is another way we really believe it shapes us into the kinds of people that God wants us to be. And at the same time is life groups. I never stop talking about community. It seems like every time I preach, that's what I'm talking about. And that's okay, because it's really important and great. Um, and so if, you're, if you've been here for a while, you know that community is really important to us. And in Acts, we can see that following Jesus requires intentional community and that living with one another is essential for our ability to be on mission with God. And so that's what life groups are. It's a smaller community of people who can encourage you, who can support you, who can call you out if you need to be called out, who can teach you and who you can teach. And so we really believe that this life lived together is such an instrumental part of being formed into the likeness of Jesus and transforming, being able to transform the spaces we inhabit, being able to be transformed ourselves. How many of you are a part of a life group? Yes, life groups. Awesome. I love that. Um, so two weeks ago, Derek talked about emotional health and how we can only be as spiritually healthy as we are emotionally healthy. That there are things underlying that we don't even know that are happening that keep us from being able to engage with the world in a loving way. 
And so the tool that we're using to help form emotional health in our community is Emotionally Focused in the purple. Um, and that's just a program that helps walk you through some steps to understand what are the ways that you were formed and how does that show up now. Very often the things that we learn as kids, to, ways to show up in the world, if we grow up as adults, they actually keep us from being able to connect with people well and loving people well. I believe wholeheartedly that this community is called to be a safe people where people can come and love others well, that we can love others well, even if we disagree with them. Again, I feel like I minced my words. I believe that we are called to be a safe community of people where people who don't think the way we think or live the way we live can come and be welcomed and loved well and not turned away. Yes, thank you. And so... Uh, emotionally focused helps us be the kind of people who can love those who are very, very different from us and love them well, but still maintain our own ideas about what's happening in the world. And lastly, we lead. And really what I mean by leading is just going first. I feel like so often that's what it means to lead. So maybe you're called to lead a life group or a ministry here at the church, or ministry outside of the church, or maybe you're just called to lead a group of coworkers at your workplace and have a conversation or build hope in that place where maybe there's not hope. All of us are called to go and love people who are far from Jesus, and just that act of going is a measure of leading. And so this is the discipleship track. You're going to hear much more about that. We believe that as much as we as a church press in to these steps, we will transform the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel because we will be being transformed. I'm going to invite the worship team up now. So again, you'll be hearing much more about this in the future. If you have any questions, I would love to sit down and have a conversation with you about that. Um, and many of you will be on, well, it's not there anymore. Many of you will be on multiple places at the same time, and that's okay. But what we really think is these are steps that we can take. This is what I wish that I had when I was 15, that someone would have come alongside me and said, okay, this is what you can do, and you will grow. <clears throat> I just want to get a little caveat in there. I cannot stress how highly enough it is important for you to be a part of a life group. Yes, make it awkward so that you hear me. Be a part of a life group. And so as we're thinking about all of this, what I want to leave you with is that we cannot be fully functioning disciples of Jesus passively that it requires our intentional press-in to bring the kingdom of God here and now. An essential part of that is being part of a community of people who are doing that and can encourage you to do that. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.